welcome to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Tori Bono. And today, Tiny Voice is talking all about the power of diversity. Now, diversity is a word that we hear all the time at the moment. But actually, my guest today believes that there's real power in getting it right, not just in our classrooms, but also within the structure of the school and through language. So welcome, Isabel. Welcome, Toria. I'm really, really glad to uh, to be here. Oh, it's so lovely to have you. It really is, Isabel. So for all those that haven't come across you, who is Isabel Jones? Um, Isabel Jones is a very experienced language teacher who's been teaching um, for about 27 years and uh, been teaching Spanish and French. Uh, I was also a head of department uh, for the best part of 18 years and I've recently moved into um, leadership as um, an assistant head in charge of teaching and learning and um, CPD. So why is diversity so important to you? Sort of a silly question, really, but I just, you were really keen for this to be called the power of diversity. Why is it so important? Well, I suppose um, it starts with my background as somebody um, who just moved to um, England from France at the the age of 20 um, and then got involved more in, in education. It's really all the experience of being through really to have uh, have made me think about how diversity is something we should embrace um, and how sometimes coming from a different background can really be a strength rather than something that people find um, strange or um, even threatening at times. And have you experienced that? where it has appeared strange or threatening to others? Um, yes, I think, so. well, um, strange, definitely, or also mm. falling back into stereotypes. Um, you know, if you do something different, it's not because you're a different person, but it's because you're of a, a different origin, which I sometimes find, find interesting. Mm. Um, um, but more particularly, uh, what struck me the most is when, um, I, st- um, when I had my, my, my children it really struck me that um, diversity was not always as um, welcome or valued as it should be. Uh, and particularly uh, them being bilingual was seen as something very, um, very, very um, strange for some people um, and, and, and even a little bit threatening, really. <laughs> mm. So did you, were your children speaking both languages from a very early age? What I try to do as all working moms is to try to to speak to them in the languages as much as I could. Mm-hmm. As an all working mom, we hit a bit of a an obstacle when they join school because obviously the dominant language is not my language. It yeah. is going to be English. And in some respects, you want them to also be obviously very um, fluent and confident with the dominant language. Um, so there, there are lots of um, interesting tensions there uh, to do with them developing their own identity as well. Uh, but what fascinated me really was the reaction um, I, I got from I'd say a wide range of professionals going from, you know, doctors to to teachers where I was asked very, very strange questions like, do you give them lessons in French? Well, no, I just speak to them. Uh, Or or is it um, one of my my eldest actually uh, found literacy a little bit more difficult? And it was always, oh, is it because he's learning two languages at the same time? So there's still a lot of really misconceptions out there 
Um, and it was quite, really quite interesting for me to to hold back, say no, and and explain things in a different way, and and also for the, the to have that discussion with the children and get them to understand that diversity really is a strength. Yeah, and I've got a friend who is um, multilingual, and she too wanted her child to be her first child to be bilingual. And actually what she found, and I don't know if you found this, but her child, once she wanted, once she entered school, just wanted to be the same as all the other children. And actually trying to get her child to celebrate her uniqueness and trying to get her child to see diversity as a strength was actually really hard when all her child really wanted to do was be the same as everyone else. Um, totally, yes. Uh, so we, we, we went through um, having, um, when they were really little, having conversations in French to me speaking French and being responded to in English, mm-hmm. um, which all obviously causes um, issues as well because um, my side of the family does not um, speak English at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I was obviously, I'm, I'm still very, very keen for them to actively use the language so that they can communicate with, with uh, both sides of the family. Um, so in terms of um, children developing their identity, I really think it's really, really important that message comes from the grown-up as well. Uh, you know, um, if, if they keep if they keep being asked questions and being made to feel different, not in a positive way, clearly that that has that impact. Uh, and that's I think that's why um, uh, us as as professionals, we really have a, a duty really to to make sure that doesn't happen in school in particular. Um, because um, the, the next big kind of uh, thing when I realized this was when I worked in a very, very multicultural um, uh, school mm. um, in Oldham for um, nearly uh, 12 years. Um, I was the head of languages there, and obviously languages there meant not just French, Spanish, German, it meant all kind of other languages. And to get the children, uh, first generation, second generation, third generation, to embrace their uniqueness was also just as challenging, I guess, than what I had to do with my own children. Uh, and sometimes it really kind of showed uh, the the impression that they were picking up from some of the grown-ups around them. Yeah. Well, I think there is that sort of, I don't know if it's, if it's a desire to just belong and therefore be the same as and not stand out. I don't... I, I think as adults, we do that as well, in a sense. Uh, sorry, but teenagers do that all the yeah, time. Yeah, they really do. Mm. I've got a teenager and I know it's the whole, it's just blending. It's mm. let's all be the same. Let's not stand out. Let's not be different. And actually, from a secondary point of view, that must be extremely challenging then to celebrate the uniqueness of their languages and the uniqueness of their cultures, I suppose. Um, yes, and also t- for them to feel comfortable talking about mm. their background, their family, their siblings, um, and all these kind of things. Um, so, you know, when I when I thought, oh, this is getting challenging with my own children, it was quite interesting to see that echoed at work as well. It's interesting. I had a I'm the diversity equity representation lead at my school, and um, I'm primary. But I was chatting to some year six children and um, about languages. So we were, t- we were having various discussions about diversity. And one of the things that they didn't know 
was who else spoke their home language at school. And when they discovered that there were other children in the school that also spoke their home language, it was like a complete epiphany for these children. Oh my goodness, I'm not the only one that speaks, you know, Polish, or I'm not the only one that speaks Italian at home. It was really quite something. It's 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 a great uh, moment. What what we actually did is um, we um, we put together, we talked to all the children, we put together a video. And we just said, you don't need to say much. You can just say hi and then say a couple of things about yourself if you want. But even if you just say hi, um, because there are a lot of people who speak your language and then they'll be able to see that. Yeah. Um, and the video was a really, really, really um, a good way to raise the profile and also um, make um, other children realize that, wow, they can they can do this in several languages and it's not strange it's actually very 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 cool you know which is the way to win them teenagers i guess uh, i was really impressed with uh, the the impact of the video and and the discussions it, it led to it was fascinating well as you say it's that sense of belonging and actually if they can see that they belong in the multiculturalness that it's a real something very special about that. So let's talk about diversity in the workplace because we've talked about diversity for young people and the power of that. How have you found diversity in the workplace coming into, um, well, moving to England and then working within a place where it's your second language? Um, that has been that's been a, quite a journey, but a really, really uh, fascinating one. Mm. Um, to start with, um, I was really quite surprised at reaction um, towards qualifications. So, for instance, if I said, "Well, uh, um, I studied that many subjects at kind of A level level," because obviously mm. the, the the educational system is different. It was, "Oh, it can't be as hard as what we do here." And so I, I was really met with all sorts of. Um, wow. Um, reaction like that and I said well mm. I was thinking well you wouldn't know <laughs> how would you know <laughs> you know yes. it's it's quite basic um, um, I certainly would not um, compare because I would I wouldn't be in a position to compare so somebody has said that to even less so I would, I would say and then we had quite a lot of uh, stereotypes again you know oh we um, Oh, um, English people are not good at languages. Um, oh, oh, that's why. Oh, it's easy for you to teach your own, your own language. Well, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> and I'm sure anybody who's taught English as a foreign language will back me up on that as an, as a, as an English native. Fascin- the fascinating bit about it is that um, you get challenged about it and things that are part of your identity are being questioned all the time, you know, like, why do you say this that way, not another way? Well, actually, I need to think about this. I'm not sure. So I've obviously greatly enjoyed that. Um, in terms of mixing with other people, as I say, there's a lot of a lot of uh, preconceived idea. And it's been great for me uh, when I, obviously I've done a lot of um uh, teacher mentoring, um, you know, during during my long career, and a lot of language teachers are foreign nationals, uh, so I really thought I could really quickly um, get them to shortcuts and you know um, not come across some of the obstacles I came across, you know, um, and because um, depending on their experience of the the, the educational system in this country. Mm-hmm. 
and the expectations are widely different. And not just expectations in school, but um, expectations of what parents do and what parents don't do. Uh, so it's very, very broad. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of moving up the hierarchy, it's always about, um, I think accent is, is something that's fascinated me. The way people um, respond to accents, whether it's a French accent, a northern accent, a southern accent, mm-hmm. or an accent that kind of um, denotes maybe a certain class uh, and that is such a, for me, um, a, a typical um, thing to happen in this country. So, for instance, um, if you're in a position of authority and you have got, let's say, a strong regional ac- accent, it seems to be a bit of a problem somehow. Uh, and even quite recently, there was um, a bit of a, a storm on, on Twitter about a presenter within Tokyo. Yes. Uh, and I was fascinated by that because I thought, see, it's not even which country you come from, it's which part of the country you come mm. from. Uh, and people will have, before you even talk about yourself, they will have preconceived idea of what kind of level of education you have, what kind of background you come from, what kind of life experience you might have had. And I, I find that absolutely incredible. So that's when diversity is is so important to embrace. And I, I really love the fact that this, the presenter said, you know what, I'm from this part of the country. This is who I am. I've, I'm bringing loads of experience, you know, um, to, to the table. And I can, I can my, my, my experience really enrich what, what I can comment on, on what's happening in, in the Olympic Games, deal with it. And I really love that. <laughs> You've made so many powerful points there. You really have. And I think you're absolutely right. We are judged on our accents. You know, we are very much judged on the accents that we bring forth. And I think it's interesting because, you know, I have quite a clear, crisp English accent. And the amount of people that assume that I've come from a very posh background is hilarious. It's like, oh, my goodness, you don't even begin to know about my upbringing. But I've been judged on that equally. You know, I've been very quick to judge people that might, you know, have had, well, let's say the Essex accent, um, because, you know, that, that I think went through a period where it was quite derisory to have that Essex accent, you know, and, and people were put into a box because of that. And what I've had to do is really smash that in my head and go, no, no, it's not okay to judge people based on their accents, but it's a really English thing to do. Is it, is it something that happens in France or would you say it's, it, it is a really English thing to do? I think it's more of an English thing to do because obviously we have such a wide variety of, of accents. Yeah. I always say when the, the children actually are fascinated um, um, about accents, when I talk about accents in French, and they ask me all the time, well, do you have different accents as well? It's really interesting. And I said, yeah, but just imagine, I'm in Manchester right now. If I draw a circle, I'd say 40 miles around Manchester, the variety of accent you get mm. is absolutely, completely incredible. Uh, whereas in France, I'm from Toulouse, I'm from the southwest of France, you wouldn't have that at all. Um, so I think people in France... Um, um, in French, you will look more at the, the vocabulary, right. uh, the kind of word you use. I mean, we do that here too. Uh, and that, that's, I think, the, the second big discussion I have with my pupils. Mm. Uh, when I say, oh, you speak posh. No, I like 
good words. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So um, is that posh? And then we had this conversation and they said, well, no, not really. I said, no, it's, it's having more words. The more words you can use, the, the more precise you can be about what you say and the, the better you can express yourself. Um, so, but it's also something people really notice. And obviously being um, bilingual, sometimes my choice of word is different to uh, what a native English speaker would have chosen. And they go, oh, what was that word? Or a word that is to me not that advanced is actually quite advanced. So obviously as a teacher, I've got to be quite careful about that. Mm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here. I've got so much ticking over in my little brain at the moment. It's really interesting, actually, because again, what you're saying about the fact that actually, you know, the, the, within France, you do have different dialects, you do have different accents, but it's not as wide. And the vocabulary as well, the difference in the vocabulary use across the, um, the United Kingdom is quite extreme. And I actually, so my family come from Belfast and you've just triggered a memory which is uh, so my my very potted history here Isabel I moved over to Belfast when I was 14 although my parents are from there and I went over with this accent which wasn't great I then adopted a Belfast-ish accent which comes back when I'm there but it's more of a lilt than anything else and then but when I moved over to England some of my vowel sounds had had I'd adopted the Belfast vowel sounds. So, for example, instead of saying an ow, they go I. So hi, hi now brown cow instead of how now brown cow. That's the way they say it in Belfast. And I remember coming over and and the word from f r o m, I pronounced from. Because that's how it's said in Northern Ireland. And I remember some, you know, actually I was teaching and I was standing in the class, at the front of the class and I was teaching and there were two teaching assistants in the class and at, they were laughing. And at the end of the lesson, I said to them, what was so funny? And they said, oh, it's the way that you say that word. And I was, I was mortified, like utterly mortified that I wasn't saying from correctly. And it I got I'll tell you, it took me days practicing how to say from rather than from. But it really impacted me. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, the power of judgment from those ladies. And actually then what that then did to me in my spirit. I can't imagine then what it must be like to have anyone judge you on your accent. Does that make sense? Totally. No, no, no. I haven't been there and back really, to be fair. Yeah. So, And that's why I decided to embrace it. Uh, my theory is that you never completely lose an accent. What you do is mm-hmm. you layer it. Um, so you, um, when I speak to part of my family, I, I, I've lost my Southern French accent. Uh, when I speak to part of my family, it comes back with a vengeance. Um, if I speak, well, um, I actually decided to, uh, in my wisdom, to have a year out to, to really, really study English in Liverpool. Mm. Uh, when I arrived in Liverpool, um, I, I really realised that um, the accent was going to be an interesting one because I didn't realise the accent was so strong, but I loved mm. it. And when I came home, I had a bit of a Scouse accent. 
Uh, and then I moved in a different part of the country. I moved um, in um, in Devon. <laughs> so then again, I picked up a bit, a yeah. bit of a, and then I decided to uh, live in the southeast. Um, uh, and then eventually, I, I ended ended back uh, in the northwest. Uh, so when people say well, you've got a bit of a strange accent, I say no, I call it a stir fry of an accent, and that basically represents all my experiences <laughs> in this country and a bit of my life story, really. And that's why it's so important to embrace it. Um, when I first moved back to Manchester from the southeast, uh, the secondary school I, I started working at. Um, the children actually were shocked when I, um, somebody said I was French because they thought I was a Cockney, apparently. Um, so it just shows <laughs> <laughs> they're not that good with accents <laughs> at all. Um, but that's why I really feel strongly about do not judge it. It's book by its cover or by a person by the way they're speaking. Um, really encourage children to develop their vocabulary and not attach that to a, a class because it's obviously vocabulary is empowering and it, it's something that um, if, the, if it is attached to a certain class, they hold back because they want to belong to a certain group of people and they don't want to be seen as different. Um, and I really think that's really, really important. Yeah, you're right. And I love what you said there about, you know, your stir fry of an accent and the fact that actually your accent is the embodiment of your experiences. You've done so much in your life and your accent represents that. So actually, rather than us trying to conform and rather than as teachers trying to speak with the Queen's English per se, actually what we need to do is just be us and enable our young people to recognise that their accents are perfect the way they are and that, you know, and, and celebrate that diversity. Um, I will also um, link uh, this celebration of diversity to mental health, mm. particularly, particularly with um, our teenagers. Teenagers want to conform so much sometimes it really leads to some serious mental health issue because they feel they don't fit anywhere they don't they don't they don't um, belong anywhere and I think from the moment you you embrace all your life experience and all your differences and and you see that as a strength you are carrying this message to to the young people as well that it's something that is what makes them who they are and is their strength. And I think it's really, really important to model that really for for our pupils. You're absolutely right. And I think sometimes we can try to dismiss that because actually what, you know, it's rather than embracing failures, etc., and saying, you know, this is what's made me, we try to, to make them disappear. So actually, we're giving the wrong message to our young people, you know, and we really need to ensure for their mental health, as you say, that we are being real, and that we're enabling them to be real, you know, recognizing that they don't need to conform. They can just be them. I think it's interesting also because on the one hand, sometimes we're trying to look too perfect to them. And on yeah. the other hand, we tell them not to be. Um, and they are pretty acute, you know, they're pretty astute and they, they can they can see through the rubbish that people <laughs> that people talk. So that's why I'm always I'm always surprised that they don't they don't call us up on it a little bit more. Yeah, you're right, because I think we do um you know, we do try and be perfect. We try to present a certain 
a certain image, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, how far are we us? I think we want to be us to the extent that um, we're not unsettling, but we're authentic. And it's the yeah. fine, fine balance, really, I guess. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think if teachers can be authentic in the classroom, if they can be them, whilst maintaining a professional standard, actually, that's what our young people need. They need to know that we are being authentically ourselves. The, um, the issues, the only issue I can think of is in leadership, um, because um, there's always a message you convey through all sorts of things you're doing, you know, that it's not directly what you're doing or what you're saying. Um, and it's something we need to be wary of. So we need to be authentic on obviously as many levels as we can, but they are also, we need to be guarded because um, uh, if you're too authentic, it makes you vulnerable. Um, and it's also uh, something we need to, to bear in mind. Do you think as you've moved up the career ladder that you have become more guarded? I think I'm more guarded um, in some respect because mm-hmm. um, um, I'm, I'm very approachable. I, I like to get to know people on a personal level. Um, but obviously, if you do that, you need to be to be giving them uh, that information too. You can't expect people to open up if you don't at all. Um, but I do think it's really important, but also I think it's important to maintain this kind of um, professional distance as well. And I think as you're moving up the, the ladder, it's even more important. So you need to be approachable, but you also need to be the leader that you want to be. Uh, and that can be um, a little bit tricky at times. Absolutely. Goodness, we've sort of talked about everything. It's amazing. I did tell you at the beginning that it's very unstructured to the point that there are no specific questions. How's that? (laughs) But actually what it's enabled us to do is talk about everything, Isabel. Fantastic. Oh, I can talk about everything <laughs> all the time. Um, and that's something that's really, really close to my heart as well, because I, I do believe that diversity is who I am. Yeah. So it's something I really, really want to um, to share with other people. Uh, and when they think I should be more like this or more like that, I want to say, no, actually, it should be you. That's definitely the most important thing. So I know that many of the listeners will have the same question that I've got bouncing around my head, which is, are your children bilingual now? Absolutely not. If I was a mum at home, I think I could have, I, I could have done this. Um, but basically what they are is they are bilingual to the fact that they understand French really well. Yeah, um, yeah. They can go to France, they can communicate with their grandparents, um, they can also um, transfer that knowledge to other languages. For instance, my eldest has uh, um, studied Spanish with quite a bit of success. Um, so it's, it's made him realise that actually, yes, it was an advantage knowing, knowing French and being half French. Um, but in terms of their actual expression, it's, it's very... Um, uh, it's not. It's, it doesn't match their, their 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 age, if you want. 
So they can express themselves, they understand everything, but in terms of uh, the wealth of, of expression, they, it's not on the par with their English. Um, but, you know, it's something that um, is there and it's part of, same again, it's part of their identity, it's part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're embracing it more and more. Um, but obviously, being teenagers, they're also really, really um, aware that they don't want to advertise this too loudly. So when we go to France, when we're in a certain kind of um, group of people, it's fine. Uh, and I, I've got to respect that, I think, because it, it's about them being comfortable and valuing it and not, 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 um, I don't want their French identity to do something that's done to them. <laughs> and that's really, really important too. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And what I love is that you've enabled them to make those choices for themselves. And actually, they have the choice there. And should they wish to go further with their French in the future, they'll be able to. But as you say, it's opened up other avenues with regards to language for your elders with Spanish. You've been a delight to talk to as well. You truly have. Now, as you know, I always finish with my question, which is, if you could have been taught by anyone, living or dead, who would have been your perfect teacher? I did think about this quite a lot uh, because there's loads of people that I really find um, fascinating, and 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 I think I would have absolutely um, been been great um, as my um, ideal teacher. I think Mary Myatt's got to be the one, though. What I love about Mary Myatt is she's a no nonsense kind of lady. She tells it like it is. She embraces who she, who she is, definitely. Mm-hmm. And also, she completely uh, is so all about learning and how learning changes everything and how learning empowers young people um, and how it's not just languages or just uh, English or just different subjects, how learning as, as, as something that is going to, to really change um, uh, young people and empower them and make them better people for it. So I, I would have loved to be um, taught by Mary Myatt. Yeah, Mary Myatt would be a great addition to the Tiny Voice Talk School. Indeed. She really would. <laughs> Isabel, thank you so much for coming on Tiny Voice Talks and really making me and the listeners think about diversity of language and actually the fact that through the way we speak, we are living out our life. We are indeed. Thank you so much for having me.